This I say then, walk by the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. Walk by means of the Holy Spirit. It's present tense. Continue to walk by means of the Spirit. And this means a constant, continual, habitual, and unbroken walk by means of the Holy Spirit. Moment by moment, there cannot even be a second when the child of God is not walking by the Spirit. If he for one second relaxes, may I say that trouble will ensue. Back in the Old Testament, God said to his people, I'll be among you. I'll walk with you. But now there's something altogether different. He says, now I will walk in you. And that is what it means to walk by the Holy Spirit. Walk by the means of the Holy Spirit. May I pause to say this? that if you and I can lay hold of this great truth here today, I believe it will mean a new day has dawned for most of us. And I want to join you and say this morning, I count not myself to have apprehended. I this morning have a desire to live on this plane that Paul is talking about. And it's a new life instead of a new leaf. It's to live on a higher plane than we've ever lived on before. It's to experience a new joy. It's to have a high hope and rainbow anticipation. God, I think, today holds before our gaze a vista of satisfaction. God wants us to live where there is the greatest fulfillment of life. God does not want us to live on the low plane. God has the best for us today, and he wants us to have his best, not second best or the third. Now, the thing we're talking about today does not rest on a few isolated texts, just a few unrelated verses of Scripture, but it's the great theme of heaven and of the Word of God. You remember that when that boy came home and began to walk in the way of the Father, the Lord Jesus says, there is joy in heaven. God today delights and wants his child to walk in a way that will be well-pleasing to him today, a way that will bring the greatest amount of satisfaction and service today. I want this morning, therefore, to mention the three steps that I believe must be taken in walking by means of the Spirit. Somebody says, I want to walk by the Spirit. Tell me how to do it. Well, may I say, in walking, you always have to take the first step. And the first step is this, a realization of our human weakness and sin. Now, that's a very strange beginning, but may I say that because it's a strange beginning, many believers won't begin there. 
Will you listen to John in his first epistle, first chapter, verse 8? If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Now, this is the most difficult step of all. I think always the first step is the most difficult one, but it's difficult for believers today to take this step. It's like the first step of a baby. The little fella stands there wondering whether to put out that first step, afraid that he might collapse. He's never done that before. He's moving out into something brand new. And for many believers, it's brand new. We are unwilling today to take the place of utter helplessness and total corruption and absolute depravity before God. Many believers won't take that step. I'm just as good as the next fellow, and I'm much better than most of the church members. And I don't do this, and I don't do that. May I say that kind of talk never leads to walking by the Holy Spirit. Will you listen again to this man, John? If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, with God. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. But if we say we have no sin nature, we deceive ourselves. It's the sin nature. We're not talking now about sin. When you and I came to the Lord Jesus Christ and trusted him, we were given a new nature. But my friend, that old nature abides with us. It's still there. It's just as alert and active, even more so after conversion. Now don't say this morning you don't have it. And don't sit there and look hard as if today that this is far removed from where you live. My friend today, every child of God has this old nature, and the greatest saints of God have been more conscious of it than anyone else. The Count de Maistre in France was one of the great Protestant laymen. He said this, I do not know what the heart of a villain may be. I only know that of a virtuous man, and that is frightful. Gertie, the great German, he said, I see no fault committed but what I too might have committed it. Dr. Samuel Johnson, the great literary light of England, said, Every man knows that of himself which he dares not tell his dearest friend. John Bunyan said, When God showed me John Bunyan as God saw John Bunyan, I no longer confessed I was a sinner, but I confessed that I was sin from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. I was full of sin. These were righteous men. These were great men of God.
did great things for God. My friend, you and I will never take the first step of walking by the Spirit until, like Isaiah, we can say when he was brought into God's presence, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. There must be the realization of our human weakness and our sin nature. There is the second step, the recognition that God's standard for Christian living is not attainable by human effort, by human ability, or human standards whatsoever. May I again read verse 4 of this fifth chapter of Galatians, Christ is become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, you're fallen from grace. Now the reason that we are not under the Mosaic law today, or any part of it, is that God has called us to a higher plane to live. We're not to go on the low plane of the law. God has set before us a standard that's infinitely higher, and humanly speaking, it's unattainable. God has already said that you and I cannot live the Christian life. Impossible. Now there are those that say that since we're saved by grace, that we can do as we please. Paul's already answered that. God forbid. No child of God can do as he pleases. He must do as Christ pleases. And there are commandments for Christians today. And the reason we're not under the Ten Commandments, we've come, we've graduated from them. We are now on a higher plane. And listen now to some of the commandments. Our Lord gave these in John 13, 34. A new commandment I give you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Now let me ask you, honor bright. Are you this morning able to love another believer like Christ loves that believer? If you're honest this morning, you have to say, I fall short. I cannot. I absolutely, that puts before me an impossible standard. And yet he says, I command this. This is my commandment. And if you love me, he says, you're going to keep my commandments. He says, if you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. That's a standard, my beloved, that this morning we must fall down before God and confess, Lord, we cannot measure up to it in our own strength. I'm not through. There are others. When Paul wrote his first epistle to the Thessalonians, it was the first epistle he wrote to, by the way. And when I turn to the 
last chapter of this epistle, the fifth chapter, I find that he didn't give ten commandments, I count twenty-two. He gave twenty-two commandments to believers. Now here are a couple of them. Rejoice evermore. How you doing with that one? Oh, when we wake up and it's not daylight saving time and the day is bright and the birds are singing and everything is coming our way, of course we rejoice. But what about that dark day? What about that day when trouble came to us and the house fell in on us? Even we were betrayed by friends. Did you rejoice? evermore? Well, his commandment is rejoice evermore. Listen, pray without ceasing. The attitude of prayer all the time. And an attitude of prayer means that when you say amen with words, your prayer doesn't end. You just move on out in the attitude of prayer and may even carry it out because there are a great many things he's going to use you to answer your own prayers. He says, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. How are you doing with these commands? Are you measuring up to them today? Listen to this. Paul writing to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 10, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Have you brought every thought that passes through your mind into the obedience of Christ today? When that fella cut in ahead of you this morning on the freeway, was that thought brought into obedience to Jesus Christ? Oh, my friend today, may I say to you, these are commandments that any honest person may look at them and cry out as the psalmist cried out, David and Psalm 139.6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, it's high, I cannot attain unto it. That standard is unattainable with human effort, and God wants us to come to that position. That's the second step. My friend, if you'll take those two steps, oh, God's ready now to meet you. God's ready now to meet you. That's what it means to yield to God, is to take those two steps. And that brings us now to the third and the last. The third is resting upon the Holy Spirit. I come back to our text. This I say then, walk by the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, You've got to keep going. When you put this foot in front, you've got to bring the other one up or you're not walking. And when you bring this one up, you've got to do it all over again. It's a moment by moment. It's a continual. It's an habitual thing. And it's interesting how the Word of God has brought together these metaphors. The Christian life is a conflict, and in the conflict we're told to stand. Stand therefore, Paul said to the Ephesians. The Christian life is a race, and we are told to run, but the Christian life is just plain living, and that means we're to walk. 
And that's the most difficult thing. Many of us can move out on the arena of life, and when there comes the applause from the gallery, we can draw our sword and fight. Many of us, when on the sidelines they're urging us on to run, we can put out a little extra effort. But my beloved, when we get up in the morning and go to the sink full of dirty dishes, it's hard to live, isn't it? And when we go down to the office and we see the accumulated work, my beloved, it's to walk by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Christian life. Now we are told this is something different. We are to walk by faith and not by sight. Let me come back again to Galatians 5, 5. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. You see, the whole Christian life, from the moment we are born again until we come into his presence, is a walk by faith. And it's a faith that rests upon the Holy Spirit. Christian friend this morning, oh, if I could only get this over, you can't make it. You can't make it. In your own strength, you won't make it. You won't live for God. But I can do it in you. I turn now to the man in the New Testament, Simon Peter. Simon Peter, no man ever fell as many times as he did. What an encouragement he is to this poor preacher today. Nobody ever fell as many times as he did. They were out on a little sea of Galilee. Looked like the boat was going down. Our Lord came to them walking on the water. Simon Peter said, he answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come to thee on the water. Now, I know the commentators all take off after this man, and they say what a blunderer he is, what a failure he is. May I say to you, he walked on the water. Will you listen? And he said, come. Lord Jesus said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. What an experience. Something new. And my friend, walking by the Holy Spirit is a new kind of a walk. Not going in the weak arm of the flesh. It's not going out on our own strength and ability. It's a new experience. And this was a new experience for Simon Peter. He walked on the water. But he did what I did. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And the Lord was there, right there, to take his hand and put him in the boat. But this man walked on the water. And he did it by a power that's not a natural power. God says to you and me today, if you'll just take the first step, will you really acknowledge and admit 
But you've got a sin nature that's utterly corrupt. Will you take the second step? And realize that you can't meet my standards? Then he says, take the third step, and by then you're walking of resting in the Holy Spirit. Paul said, for when I'm weak, then am I strong. And we're told about that great company of those who walk by faith out of weakness. They were made strong. Oh, today, we live in a difficult day. But God says to you and me, it's still possible. And he's out there this morning beckoning to you and me and holding out his arms and saying, as you say to a little child, won't you yield to me? Won't you come to me? Come, take the step. Take the step. You say, I walk by the power of the Holy Spirit.